Well, it was chaos, and then everything settled down in Tuscaloosa. Could more chaos on the coaching staff be coming for Alabama? You are Locked On College Football, your daily podcast on all things college football. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On College Football. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view every day. Part of the of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is your number one source to stay up to date with the biggest stories in the greatest sport on planet Earth, coaching carousel, which just continues about transfer portal realignment. It's all right here. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Ryan Grubb, what was your favorite moment of the Ryan Grubb era at Alabama? No, okay, we're, we're not at that point yet. I'm just being facetious Alabama fans, but there are credible reports that offensive coordinator Ryan Grubb who has been with Kalen DeBoer for the last several seasons, who's been the play caller for the last two years up for the best passing offense in all of college football over the last two years and transformed Michael Penix from a guy who was most known for battling through injuries to a Heisman Trophy finalist and looming first-round pick. He went with Kalen DeBoer down to Alabama. And reports are that Ryan Grubb eh, might not be going to Tuscaloosa after all because Ryan Grubb is reportedly a candidate for Mike McDonald's staff in Seattle. Who's Mike McDonald? He's the new head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. And the geographical footprint could perhaps make some sense. If you're Ryan Grubb and you were looking for geographical stability, well, staying in Seattle would be, you know, the best way to do that. So, this will come down, perhaps, to what Ryan Grubb really wants. And Kalen DeBoer could have to find a new offensive coordinator. And that would be a substantial development. That would influence how we should view the Alabama offense going into next year. Now, Kalen DeBoer has been a play caller in his time as a head football coach before. But more and more in the college ranks, because there are so many wide-ranging, encompassing responsibilities for a head football coach in college football, which we're going to talk about again today here on the show, and Bill O'Brien later. Curious thought there. The appeal of, of no longer being in college is very real, but the appeal for coaches who are in college to not call plays is also a reality. Nick Saban was not the play caller. Kirby Smart is not the play caller defensively at Georgia. Dan Lanning doesn't do it at Oregon. The only guys that I can think of off the top of my head that currently do it are Lincoln Riley at USC. Ryan Day has decided to yield play calling duties, though he'd done it for the last couple of years. And Chip Kelly at UCLA, who might want to go to the NFL more on him in just a moment. But this would be a significant move for Alabama. And you would once again go to guys like Ryan Williams, the five-star plus wide receiver who decommitted, then recommitted to Alabama, and make sure that he's still on board with playing for the Crimson Tide. And remember, Nick Saban left quite a while ago. The transfer portal, it's, it's closing soon for Alabama, I suspect. I, I, I suspect it's not open forever, but if Alabama has to suddenly find a new offensive coordinator, what could happen in the spring? What could take place in the spring transfer portal window if guys who thought they were going to play for Ryan Grubb no longer have the opportunity to do so? What if they don't vibe with the new offensive coordinator? 
This could throw a wrench into Kalen DeBoer's plans as he tries to settle down, and he has settled down. I came on here a while ago on this show and talked about how Alabama did not have a top 15 roster in all of college football. You know what they did since then? They made some notable additions. Ryan Williams and Jeremy Bernard at wide receiver. Parker Brailsford along the offensive line. These are guys that are going to be instrumental to Alabama having success next next year. So everything had all settled down, and Kalen DeBoer had to be thinking, okay, I've got my defensive staff, which has two, not one, but two former group of five head coaches in uh, the guy from South Alabama and the guy from Buffalo as well. They gave up their head coaching positions just to be on staff at Alabama. You had Ryan Grubb coming with you, along with a number of other key coaches like Jamarcus Shepard, for instance, who's known as a fantastic recruiter. Then everything was all good, right? Everything had just calmed down. It was all chilling in Tuscaloosa, right? And this could absolutely disrupt the calm that Kalen DeBoer has worked along with the rest of his staff to create. Now, this is not a move that has yet happened. This is one that is being reported. But would Ryan Grubb go to the NFL? I fully believe he would. Because I have no reason to believe that the incentive structure is designed for coaches to pass on going to the NFL if the opportunity is presented to them. The evidence is completely to the contrary, which brings me to Chip Kelly and how this ties to the Alabama job. Because Chip Kelly is currently a head coach at UCLA. That is one of the largest television markets in the country. That is a hotbed for recruiting in these United States of America. He's never been big into the recruiting world, and he reportedly has interviewed, though has not been named, the offensive coordinator for the Las Vegas Raiders. He has, he has also reportedly interviewed for the offensive coordinator opening on Dan Quinn's staff with the Washington Commanders. Those ties have gone back the past couple of weeks. So if you thought the coaching carousel was all done, no, no, it just, it just isn't. Nothing means anything anymore. Because as long as personnel movements on coaching staffs are taking place in the NFL, apparently you have to watch for what happens in college. Talked about on yesterday's show, the impact of Jeff Halfley leaving Boston College. He was a power four head coach with upward momentum in his program. He left to be a defensive coordinator in the NFL. If Chip Kelly is offered the offensive coordinator job with the commanders, UCLA will be looking for a new football coach. And then everybody out there who thought their staffs were set, suddenly you're going to have to hold on because you're going to be in for a bumpy ride. It just does not settle down because this continues to be a legitimate problem in college football. And it's going to continue being a problem until changes are actually implemented. Not the changing of standards that Tennessee is alleging the NCAA has has used in order to find a, a violation where one did not exist with regards to their NIL collective. No, 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 not those sorts of changes. I'm talking about the stress and the demand that is put on college football coaches is clearly too extensive. Saban, retired. Chris Peterson, by the way, speaking of Washington, saw the writing on the wall, said, uh, nope, no, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm going to bow out before this all. I don't know if he had inside information that this is what the world would look like, but doesn't it kind of line up? Because it does to me. Chris Peterson, out of the sport, no interest in coming back. Nick Saban, he's retired. 
Jim Harbaugh, off to the NFL. Chip Kelly doesn't want to hang around. Jeff Halfley, off to the NFL. Ryan Grubb, tied to an NFL position. And though it hasn't happened yet, you have to believe everything about that is legitimate. Because in the NFL, you know what you have to worry about? Football. In college, you know what you have to worry about? A lot of things that are not football. And some guys just want to talk about ball. Now, this will create an opening for people like Kirby Smart, who, by the way, I don't think is in love with everything that is going on in college football right now from a coaching standpoint. His comments have indicated as such. But a guy like that who is willing to adapt to NIL in the portal and do all of that, which is insanity, by the way. At some level, you have to be a maniac. You have to be deranged. You have to be completely crazy. Those guys will be able to succeed and thrive in the new world of college football. But a lot of good coaches have already left and will continue to leave unless structural changes are implemented to fix college football and make it a more amenable schedule for coaches, for staffs, better situations for players, better for fans as well. All of this needs to be rectified. Because when you see a report like Ryan Grubb going to the NFL potentially or being tied to the Seahawks job, He's the offensive coordinator at Alabama, Alabama. He's the offensive coordinator. Hasn't even called a single play in practice for the Crimson Tide just yet, let alone in a game. Not not, not a game, not a game, practice. We're talking about practice here. Hasn't even done that yet. And this report comes out that he could be a candidate there. He would consider leaving a guy who has benefited him personally in his career immensely in Kalen DeBoer because it means he wouldn't have to deal with everything that goes on in college football right now. That's where our sport is at. Would Bill O'Brien bail on Ohio State? He 100% would. Would you go over to FanDuel? You 100% should. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel. America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks. I'm a wings, chips, salsa, beer kind of guy, and placing some super bets. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W, or two, or three, or four, or however many you want. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58 between the Chiefs and the 49ers, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers join today, and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. You thought just because February had rolled around, the coaching carousel was done. <laughs> you couldn't be more wrong. We could see a major offensive coordinator, a power four head coach out of the Big Ten depart within the next week or so, depending on what moves get made. And then there's this factor. There's this factor, and that's Bill O'Brien, who has been a head coach in his day, going back to his time at Penn State and with the Houston Texans. And given his career track record, it, in, it is indicative to me or clear to me, I should say, that Bill O'Brien desires to be a head coach again. Well, what do you know? There is suddenly an opening out east in the ACC because Jeff Halfley said, I'm done. I'm not, I'm not into this college football sort of thing anymore. I want to be a defensive coordinator in the NFL. And A.J. Black over at Locked On Boston College had this to say about the prospect of making Bill O'Brien the next head coach 
of Boston College football and why it makes a lot of sense. He has a long list of success. He's coached. That checks off a huge box for Boston College. We do not need. I've seen names thrown around like Al Washington. I love Al Washington. I I was there when he was a a player there. But he's a defensive line coach. Boston College needs a coach that has experience, that has done this. They can't get another Jeff Halfley who's learning on the job. Bill O'Brien won't be learning on the job. He knows what he's doing. He, he has done this at a high level. If you've been able to do this for the Patriots as an offensive coordinator, but more, more so as an NFL head coach and a college head coach and have had success at both, you can do it at Boston College. I trust that he would be able to put together a staff that would meet the needs of this program. I feel he would be the type of coach that would be able to get Thomas Castellanos to buy in and and some of the bigger players around him, like Jalen Bradley, the transfer from Texas Tech. And he goes on to talk about the personnel that he'd be able to bring to Boston College there. That's AJ Black of of Locked On Boston College. Go check him out if you want to hear more and his thoughts on on Bill O'Brien and such. My thoughts on his thoughts are that I agree. Bill O'Brien was the head coach at Penn State, head coach of the Houston Texans, relieved of his duties. Where does he go? He's the offensive coordinator at Alabama. What has that position historically generated? Future college head coaches. That that's what. Whether you're an offensive or defensive coordinator. The Nick Saban tree of coordinators that have become or are currently serving as head coaches is rather extensive. There are even names that some of you might have forgotten about, but the ones that you know most prominently at this point in time would be Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss and Kirby Smart at Georgia. Those two in the SEC. Bill O'Brien took that job. Then where did he go to be the New England Patriots offensive coordinator? Hmm. Who was he working under there? Oh, that's right. Bill Belichick, just the greatest coach in the history of the NFL. The guy who has, you know, six Super Bowl rings as a head coach. He's pretty good. He's 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 pretty darn good. Josh McDaniels was not once but twice named a head coach in the NFL after serving under Bill Belichick. And and Matt Patricia was named the Lions head coach once upon a time. It didn't go very well. But he was given the job because he'd worked under Belichick. And and Joe Judge was the special teams guy, and the Giants wanted to give him the head coaching job. Why am I bringing this up on a college football podcast? Because Bill O'Brien's desire is clearly to be a head coach because he continues to take positions that generate head coaching opportunities because of the caliber of coach and the role that he is playing under said coach on his staff. And when you've been a head coach and you've had success as well, Bill O'Brien inherited a horrible situation at Penn State, turned him around. He went to the Texans, not an easy place to win. Ask the three previous guys prior to the arrival of D'Amico Ryans and C.J. Stroud, which looks like a match made in heaven up there, the Ohio State product. What what, what exactly were they able to do once they got rid of Bill O'Brien? Oh yeah, not a lot. Not, not not a lot. He was seen as crazy for wanting to trade DeAndre Hopkins. Eh, yeah, then DeAndre Hopkins was uh, promptly suspended for, for PEDs and whatnot. And he looked a little bit less crazy there. All of these factors, everything about his trajectory lines up to lead me to believe he has a desire to be a head coach. 
And if you have a chance to take over a power four program, look, <laughs> National Signing Day is six days away. It's not even that impactful anymore, which is speaking to the ridiculousness of the college football schedule. That makes no sense from a recruiting standpoint. It makes, makes no sense from a marketing and publicity standpoint for your sport. Nothing about that lines up. But guess what? few things about this wonderful, beautiful, greatest sport on planet Earth make a lot of sense anyway. So for Bill O'Brien, he is going to be the offensive coordinator at Ohio State. Much like Ryan Grubb, he hasn't taken a single solitary opportunity to call a play. Why? Because he hasn't been there for that moment. Is there any precedent for that? Why, yes, there is. In fact, an individual who just got hired as the Raiders offensive coordinator instead of Chip Kelly is a guy by the name of Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury, once upon a time, was going to go be the offensive coordinator at USC. That is a high-profile program, much like Ohio State. Instead, he took a head coaching opportunity with the Arizona Cardinals, and he never called a play for USC. He pledged to be their OC and then said, nope, I got a head coaching opportunity right over here. So the precedent for Bill O'Brien to take that coaching job is absolutely there. And for a guy who may very well want to get back to the NFL, what first made him appealing as a college head coach? He took a situation that was not going to be easy to win, and he made them into a winner. And then he was hired to the NFL, and he had success. Well, now you've got a track record of success being a head coach in the NFL. If you were to go to Boston College and turn them into not even a conference title contender, just a perennial seven to nine win team and do that for a couple years, do you think he'd get a phone call in the NFL? Because if Jeff Halfley, with the record that he put up over the last several seasons, was able to get a defensive coordinator position, Halfley was a head coach at Boston College, but Bill O'Brien would have been a head coach, head coach at Boston College with NFL head coaching experience, successful head coaching experience at that. Bill O'Brien's career lines up, and everything that he has done makes me think he wants to be a head coach. And if he were to go to Boston College, take that job, and turn them into, again, doesn't have to be a conference contender, though the ACC is not exactly the deepest conference in America. And in fact, I think of the Power Four, I think the ACC has the least amount of depth which is why it once again could be a great opportunity for Bill O'Brien if his ultimate goal is to once again be an NFL head coach. Because if he goes to Boston College, where there is an opportunity in a realignment-driven ACC, where you've got Florida State and Clemson at the top, but are they going to be as strong as some people think they are or could be next year? Miami's still trying to figure things out with Mario Cristobal. Duke has a new head coach. North Carolina clearly has a ceiling with Mac Brown that they run into year after year after year. The opportunity is there to make them a, a mid to upper tier program for just a couple of seasons. If you were to go seven and five, maybe win a bowl game eight and five, then go eight and four, lose a bowl game again, eight and five, and then go nine and three the next year at Boston College. Go look at the list of Boston College football seasons. It's not an easy place to win. It is not an easy place to win. And if Bill O'Brien went there, took that opportunity, bailed on Ohio State, he would do more for his NFL head coaching fortunes than if he were the OC at Ohio State. 
Because if you're the offensive coordinator there, I think that's something you're trying to parlay into becoming a head coach elsewhere. That's not going to lead you to being an NFL head coach. So would Bill O'Brien leave Ohio State? 100%. There's precedent with Cliff Kingsbury. I think Bill O'Brien wants to be a head coach again. I agree with what A.J. Black of Locked On Boston College said. There are a lot of factors that make this a pretty solid pairing, and that could be the next move. And look out, whoever you are a fan of in this wonderful, beautiful sport that we call college football. Look out if Bill O'Brien gets hired, because no coordinator shall be safe. There's a new coordinator in Dallas-Fort Worth under Sonny Dykes at TCU. Does Andy Avalos make TCU a Big 12 contender? A contender again? Or was it all just a fluke? The Big 12 is wide open. I think Utah's the favorite, but would I paint them as a heavy odds-on favorite? No. They're my pick to win the league. But no. They are, they are not some massive, you know, peak Clemson favorite in the ACC where Florida State was down and they were playing teams like Virginia in the ACC title game and whatnot. It's, it's not that sort of situation. But the Big 12 is certainly gettable. It is incredibly gettable for a number of teams. And TCU is trying to re-adjudicate themselves into that conversation because they burst onto the scene with Sonny Dykes in year one, 13 and two national championship game appearance. Didn't actually win the big 12 title game, but got into the playoff, beat Michigan, got blasted by Georgia. Heck of a year, probably the best in the history of TCU football, literally playing for a national championship. Didn't get there, but guess what? And Georgia was very good. Georgia was very, very good. And so going into year three, TCU's coming off a season in which they didn't even make a bowl game. Did not even make a bowl game. You talk about going from the top of the mountaintop to closer to the bottom. What do you even feel right now if you're a TCU fan? National championship game to five and seven? Was that a fluke? Was that a flash in the pan? Here's what I do know. If you want to feel good about Sonny Dykes going forward as the long-term head coach for the TCU Horned Frogs, He's got to be able to at least deliver an 8-9 to nine win season this year because the Big 12 is incredibly, incredibly gettable. Oklahoma and Texas are not in your way. You've brought in Arizona State, which is a rebuilding team. Arizona, who historically has had a ceiling. They've got key returners, but they've also lost players and they lost their head coach. Colorado, whose win total is criminally low at four and a half. Go bet the over at FanDuel. I'm telling you right now, that's free money. And Utah, who are one of the favorites. Combine that with the four group of five teams you brought in the year prior, BYU, UCF, Houston, Cincinnati. One of them made a bowl game. That was UCF, and they lost that bowl game. This conference is incredibly winnable if you're capable of playing at a solidly high level. And TCU has the tools to be a Big 12 contender. The question is whether or not Sonny Dykes will have his team prepared on Saturdays. Because this is a TCU team that took a step back a season ago. Their offense had a little bit of fluctuation at the quarterback position. Chandler Morris couldn't stay healthy again. That was certainly part of the problem. Here was the other part of the problem. Their defense was not good. And in two years under Sonny Dykes, it has never been good. 
They've allowed 29 and about 28 points per game in the two respective seasons since Sonny Dykes came over from SMU. Well, guess what? The Horn Frogs have attacked that weakness in the transfer portal. Going to other Power 4 or 5 schools or high-level G5 schools like the Mountain West or the American, they have added 11, count them, 11 defensive transfers. It's not going to be a brand new starting lineup across the board. But when you add 11 transfers, it's a top 15 transfer portal class overall, according to 24-7 Sports. When 11 of them are on the defensive side of the ball, that tells me something. That tells me something that I want to see from coaching staffs when they undergo a season in which things are not going well in a particular area. I want to see you attack your weaknesses hard. That's what the transfer portal and the coaching carousel and the coordinator carousel are for. And TCU is the second team to make these sorts of changes, and I am high on both of them. TCU's one, USC is the other. USC went and got UCLA's stud defensive coordinator, DeAnton Lynn. They added an all-conference player in Easton Mascarenas Arnold at linebacker from Oregon State. They added his younger brother, Achille Arnold, who's a safety. They bring in Kamari Ramsey from UCLA along with the defensive coordinator, DeAnton Lynn himself, and, and another player or two from the Bruins' great defense from a season ago. Those are two teams that can score points. Sonny Dykes teams, Lincoln Riley teams, no problem scoring points, no matter who is back there. But the defense has not been there. Just has not been good, consistent enough. And what did TCU do this offseason? Just like USC, they went out and hired Andy Avalos, who was relieved of his duties as the head coach at Boise State prior to being the head coach in Boise where he did not live up to expectations as an alum. He was the defensive coordinator at Oregon. Do, do, do you know what Oregon was good at when he was a defensive coordinator? Defense. They, they were good at defense. The 2019 Oregon Ducks won the Pac-12 championship. They beat an 11-1 Utah team in the title game. They beat Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl. They had a 12-win season. They had Justin Herbert at quarterback. He wasn't fully developed into what he is now in the NFL, though he was good. Oregon had a great offensive line. They did not have a great offensive scheme. But you know what they had? One heck of a defense. And yeah, Kayvon Thibodeau was on that team as a true freshman, but he was very good. That Oregon secondary was tremendously well coached and one of the best the Ducks have had in the last 10, 15 years. On par with what Oregon had this year, and they had one of the best defenses statistically uh, in the Pac-12 and one of the 15 best in all of college football. So for Andy Avalos to be the hire here, I absolutely love. I absolutely love this hire for TCU. Joe Gillespie did some great, great things at Tulsa. It didn't translate over to TCU. Avalos is going to bring a 4-2-5 defensive scheme. That's what he likes to run to Dallas-Fort Worth, and to the Horn Frogs defense. And with 11 transfer players from either really quality G5 or Power 4 programs, this can be a completely different unit. And TCU can move in a different direction on that side of the football than what they have over the previous couple of years. Now, the next question you have to ask yourself is what about the quarterback position? Because Chandler Morris plays for the Mean Green of North Texas now. Well, the most likely, though not only option, they added a quarterback from Vanderbilt as well. There was another one on the roster. 
The most likely quarterback option is Josh Hoover, who was a redshirt freshman this past year. The last four games he played, nine touchdowns, four interceptions, not amazing numbers on the surface, but he was over 300 yards passing in every single game. And if you go listen to Locked on TCU, they tell you, "Mm, yeah, this should be Josh Hoover's team. And if it is, and if he realizes his potential and that defense improves, this is not a Big 12 that scares me to the point where TCU couldn't at least be in the mix. Because if you have enough pieces, you don't have to be a legitimate playoff contender to be a conference contender in the Big 12. And TCU can turn things around. Now, this mailback question came in a while back uh, from Cody, who asked if year one, year two, or neither was the fluke with Sonny Dykes whilst at TCU. The interesting thing is his two-year stint so far at TCU is the inverse of the first two years of his three previous coaching stops. So previously at SMU in year one, he went five and seven. In year two, he went 10 and three. That was the only 10-win season he had at SMU. They were still trying to come back from, you know, the death penalty in college football. Thanks for nothing, NCAA. At Cal, he went 1-11 in year one, 5-7 in year two. At Louisiana Tech, he went 5-7 in year one, 8-5 in year two. Typically, his teams have improved, but the lightning in the bottle season came in year one for him. And so I almost write that off and say, no, I think Sonny Dykes is going to have a better team. I think he can have one of those five and seven to eight and four, nine and three turnarounds. And if that's the case in the Big 12, you can push to make the conference championship game. I think that first year was a one-off. You can call it a fluke if you'd like. But I think Sonny Dykes is a real solid football coach. He has succeeded at places where it's not easy to succeed. Cal is a difficult job. Just straight up. It is. It is not an easy place to be a head football coach. He was winning some football games there. He had an 8-5 and five season. That's about as well as they've done over the last 15, 20 years or so. Really, in the last 15. It's been a struggle over there in Berkeley. He guided them to an 8-win season. SMU was completely down irrelevant, but he had a 10-win season. Double digits with SMU. And now with TCU which is one of the bigger brands now, football-wise, in the entire Big 12, I expect TCU to be one of the contenders this year. I don't think they're one of the top two or three favorites. I think that's reserved for Utah, for Arizona, for Kansas State, for Oklahoma State. But that next group of, hey, dark horse contender to get to the Big 12, I put TCU right near the top of that list. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. And until then, hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.